0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your spectacular event of the season that has Thinadow Meadow Reviews, where it is October, which means we generally pick an artist that is somewhat loosely associated with haunting season or spooky season or whatever you want to call it, and ride that train until we get sick. I am the Reverend Dangerously with me as always Gabriel Cooper and Tracy Newport. Unfortunately, the good doctor is on assignment and could not be here. So, gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I We are for sure
1: riding this train to the, until we are sick, of, I feel like. <laughs> Crazy.
0: That's how it goes.
1: Yeah, that's how it's gone. But what other time can we decide to go, you know what, I'm just going to binge on such a course as Ozzy Osbourne in my life that I've never binged on before.
2: Yeah, I mean is <laughs> a good opportunity for the for the overindulgence. And uh yeah, thank God for the bomb. That's all I gotta say.
1: <laughs> I mean it's it's like how we came early and you just overstepped yourself on the candy. That's what it is.
2: It came just in time.
0: Just yeah. in time. Yep. Yeah. Oh, as you can tell, we are doing Ozzy Osbourne's fourth studio album, *The Ultimate Sin*, released on February tenth, nineteen eighty-six, on Epic and CBS Records. Runtime of forty minutes and fifty-one seconds. Ron Nevison was the producer. I hope I pronounced that last name correctly. The band: Ozzy Osbourne on vocals, Jake E. on guitars, Phil Soussan on bass, Randy Castillo on drums. And Mike Moran came in and laid down some keyboard tracks. This is Jakey Lee's last album, correct? Um, and it's it's his last studio album. Yeah. Aussie has like some stuff where they put live albums out every so often, so he might have been on a live album in between. Although yeah. I think maybe Tribute came out after this, which was uh, the tribute to Randy Rhoad, so he wouldn't have been on that, I don't think. Anyway, uh-huh. last studio album for sure.
1: Yeah, that's what I was meaning. But, oh, man. And I think in this one, you could tell like we talked about the previous ones that kind of the major trends in metal are kind of bleeding into Ozzy's albums, like we talked about in the previous one. And I think you start to see the start of the hair metal revolution in this one, in a sense, because you get, this album reminded me a lot of the Dr. Was it Dr. Feel Good that we did for Motley Crew?
0: It was Dr. Good.
1: It reminded me a lot in style and sound as that one.
0: Well, this predates that, um, although Motley Crue did tour with him. I don't know if they were touring with him around this time or not. But yes, I would definitely say that this is, of the ones we've done thus far, the most glam.
1: Yeah, and it's got like, it's like that dirty glam. Like I almost want to say, it, but it's got a little bit of previous, but it's got a little bit of grime to it. And with just a smattering of eightiesness to it on here. But it works to a degree and it doesn't work to a degree.
2: Yeah, it's kind of interesting that, like, although the style of these albums kind of changes gradually over time, uh, the pattern of, like, hits and misses doesn't seem to change too much. Like, it's, like, opens well and kind of closes all right, but, like, in the middle there's kind of some weird stuff going on. And, like, that said, like, I think even though this is, in terms of the sound, closer to Motley Crue than maybe some of the other stuff is, I kind of think the sound on this album is more appealing than much of the earlier ones, um, which is weird uh, for me to say, cause I don't think I like hair metal all that much. Um, but I think it is sort of like louder slash heavier in a way, but <laughs> my one complaint with this or like my one big complaint is that there's too many major chords in here. It's just like, it starts sort of to, to get sort of heavy and evil and then it just, just like, too many major chords in there it's mm-hmm. super weird but like that said it does try to like come heavy in the way that you know hair metal or like i don't know arena rock tries to come heavy so i appreciate yeah. that
1: you got anything you want to say ben
0: i was just going to say that it's very radio friendly which is kind of what both of you said um it to me that this one sounds musically it sounds fresher than the other two albums even though i think randy rhodes is uh you know jakey lee is a good guitarist no doubt about it but he's not randy rhodes um who is which is something that will haunt aussie's guitars from now until the end of time probably but conceptually and like lyrically i think that this sounds very much like a mid-80s album it it sounds more dated in its way than i think the previous albums we did even though we said that those sounded like Late 70s album. I think that was more of a, the music sounded like something that was coming out of the 70s. Where here, topically and lyrically, this is flag firmly planted in 1985,
1: 86. Uh, yeah. What I was going to say is did you guys ever play Grand Theft Auto Vice City?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. I played a Grand Theft Auto game back in the day.
1: It was the one bass that like, very Miami Vice influenced?
0: No, I think it was the one before that
1: okay well they're and that one they since it's based in 85 mm-hmm. when the game takes place there is a 80s metal station on there that's very much everything on this album would be on that radio station like listen to it that's what come to mind because it had like david lee Roth, solo stuff that had um two minutes to midnight iron maiden but like the very much the ingrained in the 80s like metal hierarchy and uh, like hair metal and that sound like this one feels very much like it's transplanted into that genre and i do think like the major chords cool and the weird content if i agree with you that that really plants the flag there and that it's just got this pomp and flair to it that i think only 80s music tends to have in it
0: well, there definitely is some pomp and flair to this.
1: Yeah, I mean it's probably his one of his better album art artwork cover artworks that we've probably seen on this one, but it's
0: <laughs> well, it's definitely abandoned the camp of the last three, that's for sure. I mean it's still cheesy in its own way, but it is much more of a movie poster as opposed to like let's take Ozzy and dressing up funny.
2: <laughs> it definitely has a glossy sheen to it. For sure. I yeah. think
1: that's a good way to say it. They they left the spoof of the 1930s monster movies at home on this one. <laughs> they went yeah. with the, the exist of horror of the 80s instead. But I mean I mean this thing album has its moments, but I do agree. It's very book bookended heavy, I think. And what works and what doesn't. He does some things with his voice in this album that's very, very off-putting almost. Like I just did not like what he did on there.
0: Uh, well, I didn't even notice it was just Aussie singing. So
1: Oh, like his vocals and thank God for the bomb. I was like, what the hell is this? This is <laughs> trash. Like it was bad. Alright. If you say so. <laughs> That's my opinion, which I am <laughs> not the opinion. most I am not the most uh, person you won't take vocal criticism criticisms from.
2: Well, I mean, you pay attention to this stuff. I mean, I pay attention to it less of the time, but on these records, you know, like it's impossible not to, um, but I didn't have such a big problem with it on this one. Don't ask me why they got more problems with like the lyrics and the major chords, but
0: yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I didn't really notice I'm doing anything super weird. He wasn't really trying to sing any ballads on this one. So, um,
1: I think it's, he tried to hit a range. That I don't think he can actually really, and thank God for the bomb. I think he was trying to hit a range that his voice isn't really able to hit. And it wasn't landing well, at least to my ears. It came across whiny almost. Is there right a way on. I can describe it? But well, maybe he's praising Reagan for that. I don't, <laughs> I don't
0: know. Let's just go ahead and talk about tracks because you, know, you already got us there, Tracy. Yeah. Yeah
1: um i'll say that i think it's very booking and real well with the ultimate sin and shut in the dark are the obvious two best tracks on this album i think secret loser is in its own right pretty solid and uh, never's decent but outside that there's not a lot that i would necessarily want to pull off of this to put on to another playlist
0: um I am going to break with you only slightly. Um, I do think Ultimate Sin is a pretty good opener. Shot in the Dark I Love It's actually one of my favorite Aussie songs, despite the fact that it is um, very Van Halen-ish, I will say, uh, you know, in that it is very radio-friendly and and has a few... Uh, I don't know that there's actually any keyboard on it, but, like, the guitar playing is evocative of some keyboard. Um Killer of Giants is okay. I actually thank God for the bomb I actually like. So the rest of it is kinda, you know, just some Aussie Osborne filler.
2: Yeah, I guess I would only shout out in addition to what has already been said, never know why. I mean that's pretty cool. Um but yeah, that middle chunk of the record, sort of like five, six, seven, is just meh, too many major chords and just very, very um pompous. <laughs> Arena rock kind of stuff. But I, I quite enjoy it. There's tracks that I really enjoy, so like the first three, it's just like, I like them enough where it really makes a difference for yeah. me in this record. Yeah. I mean, this and, record,
0: like most of them, did really well. I think it went platinum a couple of times, maybe. Yeah, two times platinum in the U.S., so.
1: Yeah. And, and you mentioned about Haley. It reminded me, and I was like, it made me think. It was like, yeah, this came out after 1984, and you can definitely see the 1984 influence on this album but I also think that was just 1984 was just such a mega force through the fucking record light, record industry.
0: Yeah, probably so. I mean, it was certainly a very big album. Um, anyway, anything else you want to say about this before we go into grades? I don't have nothing for it.
1: Uh, who was the lead off on this one?
2: I will go ahead. Um, I'm going to give this one a B plus. I think I like this maybe just about as much or maybe a little bit like a hair better than Blizzard of Eyes. Precisely because I think it, you know, <clears throat> has uh, kind of a bit more obviously heavy moments. And uh, also the sound is just much more appealing to me. I'm going to come slightly under that. I,
0: I still would rank Blizzard above this, even though I think this one in some ways is more listenable um for whatever that's worth um so i'm going to give this a b i mean primarily because the songs on here that i like i really like a lot but there is a substantial amount of filler
1: yeah um i'm gonna come in just a little bit underneath you and we'll give it a b minus it's there are some things i found on here but it's a lot of filler i think comparatively but i don't i think it does better Bark at the moon but i don't think it holds up to Dire, the Mad Men, Repositor of Oz.
0: You mean Harkat the Hoon?
1: Yeah, Harkat the Hoon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, what are uh, we doing next time, Tracy?
1: Uh, but yeah, that gives us an average of 85. So it'll be solid. I mean, to be expected, would you buy this album, gentlemen? You know?
0: Hmm. I don't know. Uh, there's Like I said, there's some stuff on here I really like, so I guess if I found it at a decent price, I probably would. I have never owned this album, which is one of the few Aussie albums that I didn't own, for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I don't think I'd buy it. I think this is just... It doesn't quite have the classic weight to it like Wizard of Oz and Diary of the Madman* had to it to kind of oomph it, give it the oomph to purchase it, and this is just... There's only a couple of tracks on here I really enjoyed, so I think I would probably pass on buying this one.
2: This is definitely in the zone of where I might buy it, um, just because it's like a B plus, and um, yeah, I like Blizzard of Oz almost as much as this. So I will
0: say, for what it's worth, which is nothing, that the video for the title or not the title track, Shot in the Dark, is one of his best videos up to this point. Um. You know, which by the time you're into the mid 80s like this, you kind of really have to have the MTV thing figured out. And I think he he did, at least with that video and the videos going forward, because before that, they were all kind of like, really cheesy. I mean, the Crazy Train video has a certain emotional gravitas because it was filmed after the death of of Randy Rhodes. And you can really tell that, um, especially in how emotive Ozzy's face is. But... You know, and we're, we usually don't talk a whole lot about music videos, but I just thought that was worth pointing out.
1: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Cause this is year four of MTV at this point in time, right? 82, 86. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, I could see like obviously that music videos become such a large pusher in sales almost equivalent to if not more so than radio airplay at some extent but um this uh journey is going to continue in Aussie land as there is no rest for the wicked uh uh-huh, see what i did there
0: i did
1: no rest for Truly, the wicked no
2: here. rest for the wicked
1: there is no rest <laughs> but we will be looking at their next album which is going to be featuring a new mainstay on guitarist i want to say
0: it is a new era for sure in Ozzy Osborne land. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Thunderdome Metal Reviews. We'll catch you on the next go round. Picar. Picar.